Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. For yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Craig. This is Bucks in the Basement. And my friend, we could talk about a couple different things today. Uh, we could talk about how our fantasy baseball playoffs are coming to an end as my team sits in a three week World Series. Uh, you are not my opponent. Not even close. Uh, because your team's terrible. Are you even looking at the last month of the season trying to find those hidden gems you can add to your fantasy team? Do you think there's somebody you can find here in the last month? That once you're able to start making transactions in the offseason, you know what you're going to do with your fantasy team? I mean, I think there's, to a certain degree, I, I mean, I've definitely kept up with baseball. I've, I've kept up with the playoffs. I look at my team. I see who's out there. I see who other teams could potentially drop uh, just because of age, because we do have that, you know, roster limit for certain players over 30 years of old, 30 years of age. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've definitely still kept up on it. And, and I'm looking for, you know, players that, you know, may pop. Like like uh, like a Randy Arozarena did at the end of last year or something, somebody that came like from out of nowhere that you know might not uh, once this ends you know might not get picked up at some point in time and then I'll be looking for him once uh, once free agency and everything else opens back up again. Pirates went to Chicago, got swept out of the city. That was uh, that was a something. Well, that well, well, it's a very windy city, Chris. But um. Psh. First of all, not unexpected against the White Sox. I mean, that that's no, a team that's going to challenge to win a World Series this year, and they could win the pennant on the AL side. The Cubs are terrible, but the White Sox won. Like, I was watching with some White Sox friends, like, you know, friends of mine who are fans of the team, and and they were asking me about the Pirates players, and they don't know very much about them. And I would sit there during the game. I would sit there and say, nah, don't, there's not enough firepower on this Pirates team. Uh, you know, the, the, once we get about three, four guys into the lineup here, there's nothing else. Then the Sox get the crews, and that's just how it is. When you run into a team like that, that's a team you want to be, but you can't compete with a team like that. If you would have gotten one win, it would have been you stole a win off a team like that. The Cubs, on the other hand, are a, a garbage franchise. It would have been nice to see the Pirates win one. Yeah, and it was it was like basically, I, I hate to say it in some ways, it was like playing ourselves to a certain degree. And and I know they still have, who do they still have? They still have Ian Happ on the team. Right. Who provides, but he's a little bit older, but pro- provides some, some firepower. But then we get, we get crushed by this like Schwindel guy or whatever the heck his name is. And it, it was like, it's, it's absolutely, that that's like the worst of it is it was all these guys that I know he was, I'm pretty sure he was the NL rookie of the the month this past month, so it's not like he's not a good player. But it wasn't like there was anybody on the Cubs team that scared you to to any degree. Like by the end of the series, Pirates fans were were terrified of this guy who basically looks like he is like 10 years old. 
It, it was absolutely <laughs> terrible. You know what? The and going back to the the other series against the Sox, I did get to see for one game the White Sox feed, and it was funny that they were like in love with Kevin Newman, like they're really in love with him. The broadcasters for the White Sox, they were just like, ah, you know, he's pretty pretty talented guy, and here's his here's his stats, and he had a rough year this year. And uh, you and I both, I think, agree that, that that's not true. He's terrible, right? I mean, like, uh, <laughs> are we wrong? I mean, I mean, he, he hit it. It's, it's uh, Labor Day here when we were recording. He did hit a home run today. Ooh. He, has, he has hit better. Uh, the defense has not been as great, but, but still solid. I just think that he is going to be, you know, someone that uh, – he's probably going to be here for another year just because your guys aren't ready. Ugh. And it does seem that teams, Chris, that don't see him play a lot because his name came up, you know, towards the trade deadline. And it seems that like teams that maybe don't get him, get to see him play every day and just see the defense and, you know, saw like how he did in his rookie year, maybe got like a little bit of scouting done, you know, in the, in, in spring training and just kind of see the effort that he puts forward Instead of seeing him play every day, which at times is absolutely brutal. And you know what else is brutal? I just looked this up. Frank Schwindel is 29 years old. So this isn't even like like a guy that is like, he looked like he was, he honestly looked like he was 10. He's 29 years old. So it's not even like a young prospect. That's tearing us apart. Listen, it's, listen. it's a 29 year old guy that we probably could have had. Cause it looked like at some point in his Kansas city Royals uniform that he hasn't changed or they haven't changed on the site. That's where he played before. My God. <laughs> so what we've learned here is first of all, uh, guys that it's surprising. They're even on a major league team somehow do well against the Pittsburgh pirates. And there's some out of town stupid when it comes to Kevin Newman, which might benefit the pirates. If they could unload a guy because, and I remember this, they were enamored with his low amount of strikeouts. Oh yeah, but that doesn't matter when you're hitting when you're hitting two eighteen and your OPS plus is fifty one. One hundred is the league average. Fifty one OPS plus. You're not even a major league baseball player. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think to what me. it is, Chris. I think it's like that he's performed well before. He performed well in the minors. In 2019, he performed well. That's the only time. And he was a 110 OPS plus, so he was slightly above average. Why yeah. why would anybody be enamored with him? Like if they're like, is there a GM that's as enamored as let's say a visiting team or an opponent's uh broadcast team? Because if there's a GM that's enamored with him, deal. Make it in the offseason, move along. I, I'm serious. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree with you there, Chris. And I think to a degree, it's it's probably like that, that he's still on, you know, the younger side. Still has, you know, he's coming into arbitration, but still has years of control here. And maybe people think that with his improved defense, which has kept them above water, you know, war-wise, or he would be, if he had defense like he's had the past couple seasons, I mean, the, the numbers would just be absolutely atrocious. He'd be like where I think uh, Gregory Polanco was at, which was like, I think it was like negative 1.6 war, but his defense is holding him above water in that aspect. Maybe there's some GMs out there that think that they can, you know, fix his swing to a degree or play a little bit of money ball, which we've talked about with getting him. He has a low K rate, but he also has a very low walk rate that could maybe see him taking some more walks, you know, just getting on base. He's got some speed. 
and playing the defense he's you know played almost this entire season I still wouldn't expect full, much in return for him but I believe at this point with as low as he's gone these past two seasons it's almost like you're taking a lottery ticket and you take what you can get for it um and that's just why I think that's and, and I think that people just kind of see him play and it's like almost like watching him play it's almost like he should be good he like walks up to the plate he he takes a good approach and it's like until he actually swings the bat except for on the home run today and you know a little bit over this past you know month it, it turns into a disaster so they're just like this guy looks like and acts like he should be a ball player and he's shown it even if it's been in a small sample size previously I still think that GMs are, he's done well enough towards the end of the season, has improved his defense, that somebody may be, maybe not enamored by him, but be, would be willing, uh, kind of like Ben Sherrington is looking for those guys that haven't been able to be, to be developed in with other systems and still have control, to maybe just be one of those, hey, if, it's, if he's going to change a scenery guy and can become what we kind of think his ceiling is, which is like 265, maybe 270, and playing solid defense, a team would probably love to have a guy like that. There's probably teams out there that would love to have a guy like that at second base. If you could get his OPS plus close to 100, and even if he was slightly below average or hovering at average and he brought that defense, you'd be excited. I just don't know if he has it in him. I just I just don't know if I believe it. Who do you have on the show today? Who's your guest? Uh, we got uh, a chance to sit back down with Spencer Smith. He's a broadcaster for the Bradenton Marauders, our low-A team. Uh, we talked about some of the players down there, promotions from the, the Florida Complex League and why they're being uh, done, and also the possible reasons behind uh, the promotions not coming from Greensboro up to Altoona, and also the guys that have been promoted uh, from Bradenton system. You're talking about the whole idea Nick Gonzalez hasn't been promoted. I don't understand why anybody wants to rush anything. All right? He had a great single-A season. Let him go be in double-A next year and get a whole season to be in double-A. I don't think it's changing your timetable to just do this the way you should do it. You're at this level. Did you do good? Fine. Next year, you're at this level. You, did you do good? All right. Next year, you can go to this level. You, you, you can't rush everybody. That's the exception of the rule. That is not how it normally works. So I hope you guys can shed some light on that. This is Bucks in the Basement. That is next right here. Everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BucksInTheBasement.com. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms. Right now at creakybone.com. We've kind of been focusing a lot on the stuff that's been going on with the big league club and not that I haven't had my finger on the pulse of the minor leagues, uh, but wanted to bring back Spencer Smith, a uh, broadcaster from the Bradenton Marauders, to kind of talk about what's going on down there with uh, 
what looks like to be about only about two weeks left in the season. Spencer, how are you doing today, brother? Craig, doing very well. How are you? I- I'm doing good, man. Like I said before this, the, the weather's beautiful up here in Pittsburgh, but uh, we know how it is down in Florida. It's either super, super hot, or I see your post all the time about there may be a little bit of a delay because here comes a Florida storm. Oh, yeah. It's tis the season down here in Florida. It's tarp on, tarp off, and uh, rinse, wash, repeat. <laughs> yeah, it's just pretty much like it's a daily occurrence for you guys. Some some double headers thrown in there. But uh, things have been uh, been very exciting down in Bradenton. The offense has just absolutely exploded here um, over the past couple weeks. So we're going to get into uh, some of the guys that have uh, – contributed to that um, as well as uh, you know some guys on the pitching side some of the call-ups so I just wanted to start with something we had talked about before Spencer and that was uh, when we talked a few months ago we were talking about you know how there was a bunch of young guys up with you that may not have been there before uh, due to you know the rookie league not having the Bristol Pirates anymore the advanced rookie league not having the short season uh, up here in, in uh in the West Virginia black bears, like close to our area, which I'm, I'm definitely, I'll tell everybody I've been missing the black bears. I know there's still, there was the MLB draft league, but it just wasn't the same when it's not going to be, you know, necessarily your Pittsburgh pirates of the future playing there. Um, so let's talk about some of the guys that maybe have gotten that call up uh, from the FCL uh, that have been drafted this year and, and what you've been seeing. I, I see, I think there's about four guys so far uh, that have been made, uh, have gotten that call up. So maybe like a Jackson Glenn or, you know, Justin Meese, somebody like that. So what are you seeing from these guys that are making that jump that necessarily, you know, wouldn't have been an option in previous years? Yeah. Well, you talked about two names right there, uh, Jackson Glenn and Justin Meese are a couple of those guys who kind of fit that description who uh, 2019 before may have gone to short season to begin uh to begin their professional career, at least after maybe a couple of games before the complex league, if that. Uh, but Jackson Glenn specifically, he's actually been a guy who's shown a very advanced approach, and I think he's a guy who, who has responded very well to the challenge, if you can even call it that. Uh, I personally think that he maybe isn't, uh, <laughs> and it is early given a small sample size, but uh, he's a guy who maybe isn't being challenged a whole lot yet by low-way pitching. He's maybe a guy who is technically speaking, maybe playing a little bit below his level at the moment. This is the guy the Pirates had a lot invested in, fifth-round pick this year out of Dallas Baptist, and he is showing an advanced approach. He's hitting the ball hard. He's showing very uh, good play discipline, good pitch selection, not chasing very many pitches outside the zone. He's drawn twice as many walks as strikeouts in his, 15, in his 16 games with the Marauders, and he's hitting over 400, OBP over 500. Uh, he's a guy that's responded well to the challenge, once again, if you could even call him that, in his case in particular. Uh, Justin Mice, I think, is maybe a guy who in previous years probably would have been more of a lock to start in short season. Uh, that being said, though, he has shown up some good stuff and also responded well to the challenge. Uh, mid-90s fastball, hard slider, gets some swings and misses. He actually struck out six guys over two innings last night. Uh, made one big mistake, served up a solo homer. Uh, but he's shown some really good stuff. He's got that ERA below three over his first eight appearances. And, uh, yeah, those are – it was interesting that you mentioned those two guys specifically because they, I think, were guys who in the past might have started their careers at the short season level. But, you know, it was given the obvious change at, uh, throughout minor league baseball, the structure once MLB took over, uh, it has caused uh, player development folks to try and have to come up with, with a different strategy than they used in the past. You know, try, trying to come up with 
uh, okay, you know, what's our plan for this guy with the elimination of that intermediate level? Do we push him to, to low weight or do we get him warmed up in the Florida Complex League? Of course, and I think that's part of why we're seeing uh, more than in the past guys who are like you know, 23, 24 years old, probably a greater, uh, more advanced age on average in the Florida Complex League slash Gulf Coast League, uh, you know, far older average age in the league than we saw in previous years by far. Yeah, and, and I mean, they're even calling up by... I know some people have some questions, and and I I don't know if it's anything that we can really, I mean, we can kind of you know speculate on at this point in time because there's like you know another guy like Poyo Chen uh, called up at at 19 years of age as opposed to you know him staying in the uh, the the Florida Complex League, and everybody's saying okay, well this guy was drafted and he wasn't as you know touted as as a prospect as like a, a Bubba Chandler as a a Lonnie White Jr. as a as an Anthony Solomato, uh, these different types of guys. Um, so, what would be you know what do you think maybe is kind of the decision making process in bringing certain guys up as opposed to you know having the other guys you know develop in in the Florida Complex League for a little bit. Well, frankly speaking, I think a lot of it comes down to how much the Pirates have invested in some of these guys. You know, Jackson Glenn, fifth round pick, Justin Mice, tenth round pick. Those are slightly higher priority guys than. Uh, you know, the guys who were either selected in much later rounds or the guys who were signed as undrafted free agents. Uh, in, in the case of Po Yu Chen, though, he was actually a very high-profile international signing out of Taiwan. He was a guy who, during his teen years, pitched at a very high level in international competition for, for Team Taiwan. And, and, you know, a guy that really caught the Pirates' eyes very early on. He mentioned he's only 19 years old, of course. And, and But the sheer fact that he got... Uh, million plus dollar signing bonus he's obviously a guy the pirates have a lot invested even though he may not rank within the top 30 prospect rankings uh at the moment uh he's a guy that the pirates have a lot invested in a guy the pirates are going to challenge and push uh where appropriate and uh, i think also the ridiculous numbers for po yu chen in the complex really spoke for themselves you know six starts 29 strikeouts no walks he by the way went 107 batters as pro career before issuing his first walk in his uh, low A debut on Sunday in Fort Myers. So he, he's got that good command. He's got the ability to put batters away and get swings and misses. Uh, he's got that sort of hesitation in delivery that can keep hitters off balance. So, so again, just to sum up, it, so much of it centers around uh, how much the Pirates have invested, both money-wise and what they feel these guys bring to the pool talent-wise. Uh, that is a huge determining factor, not the main determining factor, and how soon or what stage these guys get pushed versus how long they get uh, others get kept down in a complex league or at other lower levels. Yeah, and the other thing I hear you uh, is just like the the level of competition that they played against. Um, you know, with with Jackson Glenn, he you know was a a fifth year senior, so he had played you know against some higher level of competition. Justin Mice, he uh, you know had had played at the college level and also had been playing you know, at the Cape Cod League uh, prior to this, whereas like a, you know, the Bubba Chandlers, the Lonnie Whites, the Anthony Solomatos, they were playing at, you know, the highest level of competition they could have been playing at, you know, travel balls or, you know, at, at from their high schools, but not playing as people that were on, you know, the professional, like you're saying, international level with Apoyo Chen, not playing against, you know, college level competition. So, I think that's where people kind of get, you know, stuck on all of this because, and it is new to everybody because like we talked about before, there's two quote unquote, like little steps or little levels that were are in between the FCL, 
you know, and and you guys down there in low A that that existed before and don't exist now. So it's trying to see of what guys can can skip steps and what guys need to be challenged as opposed to, you know, just throwing them into a situation and, and maybe putting them, you know, above their skis to like a certain degree. Right. Yeah. And you saw uh, a guy, case in point, Henry Davis, who was challenged right from the get go, just after a couple of games in Florida Complex League, boom, right up to high A. And that's not necessarily anything new in terms of a prospect, you know, making a quick jump to high A. That that tends to be sort of that big first jump for very advanced guys like Henry Davis, uh, whether it be a position player or a pitcher. Uh, But he, the unfortunate thing for us down here in Bradenton is that the Marauders used to be high A, of course, now switching to low A for 2021. A lot of these guys who may have jumped to Bradenton and to the other teams in now the former Florida State League are now maybe going to skip right over, at least the most advanced of those guys are going to skip over low A. Uh, but that's, uh, I think, in addition to the, the elimination of short season and advanced rookie, that speaks even more, I think, to how the Pirates feel and how confident they are. Uh, in the talent and the abilities of guys like Henry Davis and, and guys who we may, uh, you know, see take that big jump immediately to high, uh, skipping right over low A. Uh, it's <laughs> I really am admiring, uh, you know, player development for, for organizations throughout baseball, not just the Pirates, for their ability to respond to the challenges and the, and the quick change, the quick turnaround for you know the the elimination of those levels and maybe even a slight change of philosophy to uh, to how they handle some of these top prospects. It's not easy decisions to make. And, of course, with, with the Internet and with social media, it's very easy for, for fans and everyone to have their, have their eyes sharply on everything and be ready to criticize from distance. But it's a new challenge, and I think, uh, I think player development, uh, that organizations and people in player development are, are being basically these tough decisions and are doing a good job adapting on the fly. Yeah, and and it was something that uh, we had uh, we had Mike Piersack from uh, the Post Gazette on just this past week, and it was something we talked about, and something you know we briefly talked about beforehand, which is if you're going to make these promotions, then there there's like you know one move creates another move, which creates another move. So it's like you make this one move to promote a guy or to do something, and then you also have to make you know, those corresponding moves at different levels or within the own team to make space, you know, for guys to have playing time. Because if it's guys you want to see develop, it's creating, you know, playing time at either different positions or, you know, or something, you know, at a different level. Exactly. Yeah. And you talked about playing time at different positions. Uh, that The matter of versatility is a crucial one for prospects looking to advance because you you may be one of the best defensive catchers in a league, for example, or, you know, whatever it may be, one of the best defensive center fielders. But if there's, you know, somebody anchoring down catcher or center field or whatever the case may be uh, at the big league level or or maybe a higher ranked prospect who's going to be in the big league soon, uh, your versatility as a prospect if you're down to lower levels in the minors in the meantime, versatility is key. I mean, we've seen so many prospects over the years uh, change positions, you know, a guy who like starting college playing the outfield, for example, then will end up as a second baseman in the major leagues. That ability to shift to a different position, and we're seeing, uh, <laughs> we're playing the Tampa Tarpons right now, the Marauders are, and there are just so many rumors surrounding XYZ guys of, oh, is Trey Sweeney going to get shortstop or is Anthony Bolte going to be the guy? Uh, you know, not to step too much out of the Pirates, but there, there's just so much, so much talk about versatility in the, these first couple months after the draft. That, uh, that a lot of people are going to have their eyes on. It's always interesting to see how prospects will adapt to those shifts 
uh, and how much work they put into uh, being a defensive asset after making such a huge change uh, to their game. Yeah, and, and one of those guys, uh, when we were talking beforehand, just kind of mentioned it a little bit, is uh, when he was brought over um, as as part of the, it was like the Joe Musgrove trade, but then, you know, we send a guy over to the Mets, and the Mets g- gift us uh, Andy Rodriguez, uh, who's, you know, showed up as, you know, a catcher, but had, had some experience um, at some other positions, and recently, uh, we've been seeing him, you know, shifting all over the field uh, and him showing that versatility because you do have, you know, Henry Davis, and you know he's injured right now. That's um, up in Greensboro. Eli Wilson, who had been performing extremely well, someone we had mentioned the last time we talked, uh, performing extremely well, getting his promotion. Blake Sable uh, also being promoted, and he fills it at catcher and wherever else above. So this, with Andy Rodriguez... Um, moving him away from catcher for now, is is this a, a positional change or is this just what you're talking about of showing that flexibility? I really think it's showing flexibility. Uh, that being said, though, it wouldn't surprise me if Andy Rodriguez isn't a full-time catcher very much longer. Uh, he handles the position very well. He's a good leader behind the plate, uh, blocks pitches well, receives pitches well, still working on the transfer. I talked to him earlier this summer and, and the glove to throwing hand transfer uh, when runners are stealing is something he's put a lot of time into improving, and he has indeed improved upon that. Uh, but despite his talented catcher, he's just a guy who is so athletic, and it, <laughs> you actually see this in action on the base pass quite a bit. The guy can flat out fly. It, it's not just, a, oh, he runs well for a catcher type situation. He runs well, and he will take the extra base, and I, I think catcher uh, catching long-term can maybe slow a guy down like that. So I think with Andy uh, showing the power this season. He's really starting to flash more of the power here in the second half of the year. He's up to 12 home runs. That's tied for third in the league. Uh, I think he's starting to profile a little bit more uh, as maybe a potential future corner outfielder. He's gotten a few starts in left field, including one in last night's doubleheader. Uh, and he, <laughs> up until a couple of weeks ago, he had never played any outfield since joining the Pirates organization. Uh, he's gotten a few spot starts at first base, but I think, especially as you mentioned with uh, Henry Davis and Eli Wilson and Wyatt Hendren for the complex league right now. All those guys in the organization uh, who the Pirates are reducing the value as catchers, first and foremost, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if any Rodriguez days had a catcher number, but that bat is good. Uh, good base running instincts. He's a valuable guy for sure. Uh, he very well could be a corner outfielder or maybe even a first baseman down the line, uh, especially if he continues to fill out physically more. Uh, before we would go, we, we have, to talk about, uh, have to talk about Jack Herman. I mean, we just we absolutely have to talk about him right now. He's a guy that kind of had maybe like a little bit of an advanced placement in Greensboro to start the year, ended up getting um, banged up a little bit, nicked up a little bit, went down to the Florida Complex League, and then it has showed back up in, in Bradenton right now. Talk a little bit about Jack Herman and what you're seeing from him. Yeah, I had a nice conversation with him when the team was on the road trip uh, in mid-July, and he, he talked about his time up at IA to begin the year, and he just said, Simply put, that to begin the season, for whatever reason, his confidence that he usually has uh, just wasn't there to begin the year. So 15 games, he had a buck 15 at Greensboro. Down in the complex league, a week plus of games, and absolutely caught fire and hit 360. And now here he is in Bradenton. He got off to, to a solid start, but absolutely set the world on fire in August. Ended up getting Lowy Southeast Player of the Month honors. Uh, and he just hasn't stopped. You know, 41 RBIs in 41 games. He talked about a guy who has made the most of his time in a Marauders uniform. Uh, he has just suddenly pushed his way to the forefront 
of the run producers on this team and in just the span of 40-plus games. So the fact that he's been able to get his season back on track middle of the way through uh, has been exciting to watch. He was actually ranked within the top 30 prospects by Baseball America uh, prior to the 2020 season. And that was, of course, not only before the pandemic, but also before that 2020 draft that saw guys like Logan Hoffman and Jared Jones and Nick Garcia and others come into the picture. So he, even though he has dropped down the top 30 prospect rankings for, for a while now, uh, he's proven to be a solid, powerful cornerback, uh, a guy who always puts up some competitive plate appearances, uh, reliable glove in the corner outfield, and he's also got a hose for a throwing arm, which has also been fun to watch. He actually gunned down uh, Yankees prospect Jason Dominguez in one of the games of the doubleheader last night. Dominguez tried to stretch a single into a double. Herman just backhanded the roller of a base into left field and just fired into second base on the fly, tag made out on the play, which was just incredible. So Jack has been exciting to watch. He's a terrific guy, and uh, I always have a fun time interacting with him, whether it be at the FK during batting practice or uh, or any other time around the ballpark. Uh, fun guy to watch and a terrific guy to root for. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I was talking about before is people were saying, you know, they're, they're waiting for all these promotions, and, and we'd already mentioned some guys that, that had received those promotions, you know, from Bradenton to Greensboro. So it's not like there haven't been, you know – there hasn't been like this, the, uh, I guess it would be the system has not been stagnant this year, you know, whatsoever with, with guys coming up to you with guys, uh, you know, moving up to Greensboro, but as always, when people want to hear who are some guys, do you think that if not this year, but maybe, uh, into next year would be pushing for that, uh, that promotion from, you know, from Bradenton up to, to Greensboro next year. Andy Rodriguez certainly sticks out. They, easily some of the best numbers on the team. With his 12 home runs, leads the team in RBIs. He's also in the top five in the league in just a litany of categories. I think hits and batting average and slugging percentage and OPS, uh, extra base hits as well. He's been a doubles machine, and, and seeing the power come through for him, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, has been so much fun to watch. So Andy Rodriguez, in my mind, is at the top of the list. Uh Jace Bone is potentially in the conversation as well. He's tied for the team lead with 14 home runs. He's, uh, showing really good signs of adjusting the center field pretty well. Uh, he was announced as an outfielder at the time of the draft, but he out- actually started the season playing mostly second base down here in Bradenton. And to keep him with the versatility conversation, he- he's uh, played a couple of different positions. He's played some second base, a couple of starts at third base, a couple in left field. Now, for the most part, the starting center fielder at this stage. And he's done a great job. He's shown good uh, spatial awareness in the outfield as he approaches the wall. He's made some good running catches. Uh, the warning track to take away some extra base hits. And uh, he's just been so much fun to watch and also in, in adding the stolen base uh, factor into the game. Uh, 14 for 15 is basically in San this year. Uh, he's been excellent. Then on the pitching side, uh, Luis Ortiz is probably one of the guys at the top in terms of running the promotion of Braden, or promotion to uh, Greensboro next season. Uh, Ortiz, and we saw Santiago Flores obviously get the midseason promotion this year. Uh, Logan Hoffman is probably in the conversation as well. Uh, with that ERA down just above three, a uh, good transition from the bullpen to the starting rotation, and then Jerry Jones potentially making a good case for himself. He, even though he's drafted out of high school, he's a guy that shows some some pretty solid stuff, good hop on the fastball, and a nasty slider that was last night absolutely nasty. Uh, he's another guy I see making the jump probably next season. For anybody you know that's that's looking to you know find out what's going on in the minors, uh, you need to get on Twitter, follow Spencer Smith. And he is at the Spencer Smith. Uh, followed, you know, at the Marauders. Uh, 
do, do what I do and, and get your subscription to the to the uh, MILB TV because it's a, a lot of exciting players uh, to watch at all levels. Uh, Spencer, thank you so much for jumping back on here this week, brother. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Craig. Really appreciate it. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but this.